good morning, Joe, and welcome to the Roca Paleo Show. Thanks. Great to be here. Absolutely. It's our pleasure. Good morning, Monsieur Mark. Good morning. I take it you are both wonderfully well today. Wonderfully. I, I am well. Jolly. So together, together we are wonderfully well. Uh, without doubt. Mm, absolutely. So, um, Joe, as a quick reminder, you and Serenity are co-founders of Serenity Kids Foods. Mm -hmm. And thank you for being back on the show. We have a lot of new stuff to talk about. So, um, since last time on our show, what new products have you introduced to the market? Yeah. So, when we talked last, I think we just had our, our beef and chicken that we were working on, which are these two, grass-fed beef yeah. and free-range chicken. They're both uh, blended with organic vegetables, so they taste really good. Shortly after that, we released our uh, uncured bacon uh, with butternut squash and kale. Uh, super yummy. It's pasture-raised pork and bacon. We just found out that bacon or pork was listed as one of the like 12th healthiest foods in the world. So oh, super wow. great. In the, and pasture-raised pork is like especially good, like really, really yep. delicious fats and so forth. So um, then we came out with our wild-caught salmon, uh, which is blended with uh, butternut squash and beet that has as much DHA and EPA omega-3s as a little baby supplement. So it's very good food as medicine, really quality fats and super tasty to introduce fish flavors. Right. to right, right. And then we created this line of uh, high fat vegetable purees. So they're veggies that are savory tasting. So there's no fruit or any sweeteners. Um, right. And they have added avocado or olive oil. So they've got a good five grams of fat each. Um, and a great way to introduce veggies without the sweet. And really there's no ve vegetable flavors on the baby food. I like this. Like they're all, um, they all add fruit. Um, so yes. they're all fruit and veggies. So we're the only savory plus the only fat. And then our most newest products that just came out last month is our uh, grass fed bison and our pasture raised turkey, um, both from uh, certified regenerative farms. So they're mm -hmm. making the planet better with the way they're raising these animals. And yeah. um, the grass-fed bison is from Rome Ranch, started by the founders of Epic Bar out here in Texas. Yep. And, we uh, talked to them a month ago. Well, there you go. So we're using their bison and it's blended with kabocha squash and spinach, super yummy. And then turkey just in time for Thanksgiving, blended with uh, sweet potato, pumpkin and beet. Uh, so also quite delicious. So it brings us to a total of 10 pouches, all available on our website and a bunch of stores nationwide. Sounds great. Can't wait to taste the new, the new stuff. Yeah. So um, you mentioned that you improved your retail distribution system. How did you do that? What you, did you do? What happened? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it took us a long time to get the product out. So when we talked last, we were in that production phase where we were trying really hard to get the products to launch. And we were, you know, we were trying to make uh, high fat meat purees on machinery used usually for fruit purees, like all the other baby yeah. foods. So there's a right. lot of challenges. But during that time, we talked to retailers constantly, uh, particularly Whole Foods, because they're in our backyard here in Austin. Yeah. We'd sent lots of samples and we'd emailed them, we'd called them and we'd sent samples to regional buyers and just done everything we could to get in front of Whole Foods. And right. then our first two products came out for sale on August 5th of 2018, which was the same day our, our little baby Della was born. 
So all coincided on the same day. And we didn't have any stores at that point because that was the first time we had product finally out for sale. So mm. um, we got distributed a little, a baby store in Austin called Enlightened Baby. And then we met with Whole Foods 365 at an expo, um, at like a conference in, in September of that year. And they decided they were going to bring us into all their stores and rushed it into their Atlanta stores. So we, we closed the, the uh, 2018 in three total stores, two 365s and our Enlightened Baby. Um, but in November of that year, Whole Foods buyer, uh, called my cell phone. It was like, Hey, we have, uh, uh, five spaces that we need to fill for a national launch in February, which is very, very fast for Whole Foods. And at the time we only had the beef and chicken actually out for sale, but we had the salmon and the veggies and the bacon all in the works. So Whole Foods calls, you say yes. So I told him, yes, we'll do it. We'll do a national Whole Foods launch with five SKUs in February. We will make it happen. And we got our nose to the grindstone and really churned them out and moved everything along and, and made it happen. So we launched nationally with Whole Foods um, in February, really fully in March of 2019. And that springboarded us to a lot of other retail. Uh, they it gave us national distribution and the largest national uh, distributor um, called UNFI and a bunch of other stores because we were in Whole Foods wanted to carry us as well. So we're yeah. in now a total of 1,300 stores uh, wow. poised to double that next year with um, some really great uh, partnerships that were in the works, including Target, HEB, um, Albertson, Safeway, some, you know, pretty big names, uh, but we're currently distributed, um, on the East coast in Kings and, uh, a bunch of other little stores. We're in Hy-Vee in the Midwest. Uh, we're in Harmon's, Harris Teeter, uh, uh, a bunch pretty of West coast. Yeah. Really a lot of the little ones. And then Sprouts and Wegmans are coming early next year and then right. just continuing to, to expand. Now, that was a huge jump. Was it difficult to ramp up? It was very challenging. You know, fast growth is always hard, especially for us because we've never run a food company. You know, my wife and I were very passionate about this this company and the products, uh, but we, you know, had to hire all the experience. We had to bring in people who had done this before. So we're all learning as we go along and, and learning the baby space, uh, you know, but it's been super fun and we've been really blessed with a really amazing response from parents. You know, we're one of the top selling baby foods in Whole Foods, even though we're double the price. And, right. uh, you know, we have just much higher sales than the average baby foods already out the gate. Um, plus we've built a network of 700 passionate moms and health professionals and online influencers and, uh, we call it the Serenity Network, and they're spreading the word about our products to their friends and their followers and, you know, everything from the mom passing out samples to her friends to major influencers like Melissa Hartwork Urban or Katie of Wellness Mama, you know, um, Sarah Ballantyne, Paleo Mom, Rob Wolf, all promoting us to their followers and email lists, and it's really helped us grow our, our base. Great, great. Right. So uh, one thing I noticed on your website is that uh, you plan to transform the children's food space. How mm-hmm. do you plan to do that? So, you know, children's food's awful. Like if you've seen what kids eat, everybody knows that, you know, kids are, are fed crap. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of different reasons for that. Um, but our, our, we think the perfect fix to that are nutrient-dense foods that taste good to kids and are convenient for parents. 
And nobody's really doing all three of those. We see a lot of good tasting, convenient foods that have no nutrition, you know, Mm -hmm. organic mac and cheese, right? Uh, And then we have some fresh foods that maybe are like better, a little more nutritious, but are less convenient, like they have to be repaired or the kids don't like them. So, you know, nobody's really nailed that three. So, so our, you know, baby food pouches are really the first, uh, first product in a long line of products we want to create that these are, these meet that they're super full of nutrition. Babies love them. They taste good and they're convenient. They're shelf stable squeeze pouch that matches the, the present format. So parents don't have to right. go too far outside what they're used to, to switch to a nutrient dense option. So we just right. want to make it easier for parents to feed their kids healthy because so many parents want to feed their kids healthy. It's just yeah. eating time is hard. Kids become picky eaters. They, you know, there's this stereotype that health foods taste bad. And so they like have this idea that they only want those kind of flavorless carbs. Um, and then the packaged food industry is just full of sugar and carbs. You know, it's like yeah. basically all, if you go to the aisle, it's all sugar and carbs because that's what they know they can get kids to eat. And the moms will buy more of it and buy more of it. And, you know, the kids keep eating it. And then it's just this cycle that if they don't, if somebody doesn't break, we're continue with the awful stats, you know, one in five kids is diagnosed obese, you know, one in nine will get diabetes, uh, you know, over 50% are diagnosed with some kind of behavioral or mental disorder uh, before Mm -hmm. the age of 16. Like we've got a children's health crisis in this country that all of those things are tied to sugar. You know, that we know sugar may not be the only reason, but it's certainly one of the big ones. And we know that kids are fed crap and we want to change that. Right. And you could, you could say that the sugar industry has done a great job, um, getting us to eat and be hooked on sugar. That's right. There's a sugar addiction, you know, in America, like just everybody, a lot of people are sugar addicted, but the industry itself is sugar addicted. Like they think people won't buy it or that they can't sell it if they, if it doesn't taste sweet. I don't know how many times we've been told by people in the industry, people won't eat that if you don't put sugar in it. We're like, yes, they will. And here you go. We're selling super well and kids, babies love it. Yeah, we recently uh, had a discussion with uh, another um, provider and uh, after tasting our products, their products were very good, but they were, to my opinion, very sweet. And uh, I just didn't, in the the end, at the end of the, the, you know, eating the bar, it was all sweetness in my mouth Mm -hmm. and uh, it overwhelmed everything else. So... Um, it was, uh, not quite what I expected. So I mentioned it to them and they say, well, that's what the client, the customers want. Yeah. Right. An Epic bar. None of those are sweet, you know, and they're super successful. So I think people want alternatives. They just, it has to taste good. And people think it has to be sweet to taste good. It's just not true. You use high quality ingredients and plenty of fat. And it'll taste right. good. So that was what right. we, our secret was the other, there were a small handful of other meat baby foods out there, but they yeah. mixed grain in with it, which is bland and tasteless. Yes. And then, yeah. or legumes, which also just don't taste very good. And then they didn't have any fat. So like, you know, meat without fat just doesn't taste as good. And then they yeah. used 
low quality meat. And so there's a big difference between the taste of grass fed beef and, and conventional beef or, or, you know, pasture raised chicken and conventional chicken. Like there, you know, even organic chicken, organic beef, you know, that's fed in a, a feedlot, organic grain is going to taste different as well as have very different nutrition than, uh, than, than the animals that are able to live a lifestyle that's more similar to how they lived in nature. Are you, uh, do you feel that uh, a lot of people are still stuck in the fat is bad? Yeah, idea? the trends, you know, so the, the good news is people know sugar is bad. So yeah. 10 years ago, fat is bad, sugar and carbs, whole grains, blah, blah, is fine. Uh, you know, diet soda, the diet soda, vegeta the vegetarian diet soda movement, you know, of the 80s. <laughs> that right. like was all sugar and carbs right and so right. fortunately people know sugar like it's a huge trend more than half of americans are trying to cut down on sugar parents know sugar's bad so so that's good to know not everybody realizes that all carbs become sugar so that's like a thing but starting with atkins and now moving into keto people sort of are aware that carbs are at least cause obesity and are a source of inflammation yeah. um the fat is is on its way up like people are the key you know the the keto and paleo movements have done a lot to bring fat back and good fats and healthy fats yeah. uh it's it's not quite crossed over into mainstream the studies still say that similar number of people think fat is a problem as they did 10 years ago so you know it, we've got some work to do around uh educating the importance of fat especially for babies babies need according to the usda need 30 grams of fat a day and wow. that's a you know 15 pound baby so for us that'd be like three over 300 grams of fat a day you know right, so right. it's like an enormous amount of fat that babies need but that low fat movement trickled down to the baby food aisle and now there's no fat on the aisle until us and even right. the little bit that is there is all dairy you know, which is problematic for a variety of reasons. So we're the yeah. first ones to bring in um, avocado and olive oil. We're the first ones to bring in, you know, animal fats, salmon, you know, really mm -hmm. heart, you know, really healthy fats and, uh, you know, and they, and they taste good too. We should also uh, specify to people listening that uh, there's still good fats and bad fats. So uh, tell us about your good fats. Kind of you know, the serenity is more of the science nerd than me, but from what I understand, uh, you know, industrial seed oil fats, you know, industrial seed oils are like canola, rapeseed, uh, sunflower oil, palm oil, you know, there's Corn. these highly processed oils that are inflammatory, like they yes. behave like sugar in the body, they are create inflammation, they are anti-nutritious. Um, so those are, are real problematic. Um, obviously, um, hydrogenated fats like margarine are especially bad. There's more education on those are actually carcinogenic. They can actually cause cancer and create really right. severe inflammation. Right. Um, but even the industrial seed oils, which the, you know, the, the government still calls a heart healthy oil, you know, are, are super problematic. Like they're not right. really food. Like we call them industrial seed oils because really they're better for oiling equipment than they are for yeah. eating in the body. So the right. most superior fats are animal fats. Those are going to be your most digestible, highly uh, absorbable fats with the really great omega-3 to omega-9 ratios. And the better raised the animal, the better the fat. So wild salmon, pasture-raised meats, 
you know, those have are demonstrated to have far superior fats. Uh, but then as far as vegetable fats, olive oil, avocado oil are the best of the of those. Coconut oil is good as well, as long as you aren't allergic to it. Um, but there aren't very many, you know, there's not as many to choose from when it comes to vegetable oils, but uh, for certainly any meat fat is super great. So another thing that we need to remind uh, people out there is that there's a difference between animal fat raised in an industrial manner and uh, grass-fed, free-roaming animals' fat. Mm -hmm. Can you um, expand on that? Well, there's a a segue here. Yeah, the simplest explanation is that, you know, if we allow animals to eat and live in the way that nature intended them to, their meat has the nutrition nature intended for us, right? Yes. And so that's the sort of most simplified explanation that the more natural life the animal has, the more quality nutrition they'll have to feed us, which we're animals as well, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, the, scientifically, uh, they've proven this. They've tested, you know, conventionally raised beef and and uh, and pork and chicken, and compared that to pasture raised beef, pork and chicken, and across the board they're superior in every way. The vitamin right. content, the mineral content, the omega-6 to omega-9 ratios, uh, the, the amount of CLAs, you know, uh, we know the taste, tastes different. Um, yep. The experience of eating, it's different. Like it's a different food. You, you know, right. there these, and this goes, this, this is the same for organic meats because organic beef, organic chicken, they're raised the same way as uh, conventional. They're raised in captivity fed exclusively organic grain designed to be, they have a short life cycle. They fatten them up really fast, you know, yeah. to, to harvest them. And it's, 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 I, I wouldn't call, quite call it fake meat, but it's in that direction. It's like artificially right. created and therefore the nutrition is sacrificed in that. It plus yeah, and- in the environment, the life of the, the happiness of the animal, the sustainability for the farmer, the exploitation of migrant labor, the mm-hmm. overuse of water, like across the board, these, uh, we call them CAFOs, these confined uh, yeah. confinement animal centers are problematic and um, are, you know, are, are not good for the body. So the solution is pasture systems uh, that allow the animal to express its natural instincts to eat the, the, as similar to a diet as possible as it would have in the wild. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, that creates not only happiness for the animal, but these are more sustainable. They're better for the environment. These systems, when done right, can actually improve the land, make the land better. The regenerative agricultural movement is utilizing, you know, mimicking the way animals behaved in nature to restore grasslands from desert, to reduce soil runoff, to sequester carbon, you know, and so meat gets a bad rap for being bad for the environment, but it's really not the meat's fault. It's the, it's the industrial um, factory farm model that is super problematic and the raising yeah. them regeneratively is actually a solution <clears throat> western yeah carbon. actually you just stole my thunder i was <laughs> gonna i was gonna move into that direction before <clears throat> but anyway uh, one yeah. one and then we'll get back to this uh, one thing we should refresh people's memory about is that in the industrial um, cattle raising environment they feed them uh, grains, mm-hmm. right? And uh, uh, most of those grains are genetically engineered, which is That's a big right. no-no. Corn, uh, yep. Yeah, animals Less are not. Yeah. 
Yeah, calor is not designed to um, digest grains, so it creates health issues, which yeah. leads to overuse of antibiotics. Mm -hmm. So we we're dealing with all that. You have growth hormones, bad feed, uh, antibiotics. Mm -hmm. And not to mention the highly stressful environment. Yeah. The, and a shortened life cycle. So they're trying right. to max, fatten them up faster. So they, you right. know, stress them out to get them to grow quickly. Just to, to make sure people understand the difference between um, a cow that is feeding on grass, which is loaded with omega-3 fatty acids, which is not inflammatory, and animal that are feeding on grains, which is omega-6, which are inflammatory. So... Mm. It just trying to explain to people that there's fats and fats and there's good fats and bad fats and there's good animals and bad animal meat. Yeah. And uh, so moving on, um, since you already addressed or starting to talk about regenerative agriculture, uh, are you connected with the Savory's Institute Land to Market oh, yeah. Program? We are there, you know, Savory Institute is amazing. You know, they've restored millions of acres of grasslands in Africa and have now uh, working with farmers in America to create a regenerative standard. They're the only standard that measures results rather than processes. So right. you, to be regeneratively certified by Savory, you have to demonstrate year over year improvement in your soil. They don't actually care how you do it. You know, they're saying if your soil is improving, you can prove that it's better and you're raising animals on that land, then you're regenerative. So versus every other certification, non-GMO, organic, so forth, they all certify processes. They say, if you follow this process, we'll certify you. Um, right. And, you know, so for, for regenerative, they're like, we have processes we recommend that we think will work best. But in the end, every farmer's land is different, different climate, different soil health, different animal species, so forth. And, you know, so the farmers can get creative to find ways to improve the land. But um, the Land to Market program is trying to create a little badge that will be on products that will say, like, this is certified regenerative farmed. They're working with a small handful of brands right now to pilot that. And so we're watching it super closely. We'd love to be a part of that once it gets more established. We're still too tiny and new to be a part of the, uh, of the pilot program. Um, but mm -hmm. we, you know, we are big supporters of them and, and talk to them all the time. I understand you. Um, one of your suppliers is uh, uh, White Oak Farms, right? Yep. Yeah. We get right. White Oak is amazing. Will Harris, right. a classic model of how to do it right. You know, right. like they have multi, they have dozens of species, you know, including vegetable crops. They, uh, you know, raise all kinds of animals. They pay double the standard wage for their community. So they are compensating their workers fairly. They donate money back to their farming community so that they can really improve the, the lifestyle of the traditional farm community, which is getting more and more degraded. Uh, yeah. They have, you know, every certification you could possibly want, you know, um, from pasture-raised to land-to-market uh, to non-GMO, whatever. And right. um, our family, you know, her, his daughter is, you know, their chief of operations and yeah. uh, they have a baby that we send our baby food to. And he's just a great guy who's really passionate about showing how you can improve the land through multi-species farming and be economically sustainable. He's growing every year, like his products sell out. He has to yeah. raise more and more to fill the demand for 
uh, his products, even though they, they cost more, they take longer to produce. He's able to show that there's a sustainable business model. Like people want it, people will pay more and mm. there's a way to do it right. Right, right. I was lucky to go visit his farm a couple of years oh. ago. And at the time he, he was buying a, another piece of land because he was running out of land to, to grow his cattle. So, uh, we're, so we're very awesome. familiar. Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing I was wondering about, because you know how people are very price conscious. Have you, have you found any resistance to your price point? We anticipated a lot of resistance to price because the most expensive other baby food on the aisle before us was $1.99. And these were all fruit purees. So they were charging $1.99 for glorified applesauce in a pouch. Yeah. And, you know, it was organic applesauce. So that right. was their, their most, and, the, and then the, the cheapest price could be 79 cents, you know, for a pouch. Right. So we were competing with this very low price thing. Nobody had been willing to, to go over the $1.99 ceiling. We came out the gate, you know, with a $3.99 meat and veggie pouch. So mm. double the price of the most expensive other item. So yeah. retailers were very concerned about this. They're like, well, people really pay this, you know, it's double the price. Like, will they really see the value? And we just argued that they would, that if you compare the price of an apple to the price of a steak or the price of a grass fed steak, three ninety nine yeah. is cheap. You know, you start to see that the dollar ninety nine is the expensive one, right? Mm. And and this is we're feeding our babies, you know, and like they only eat purees for about a year. So this is really, you know, they eat roughly one a day, depending on what other foods they eat. So it's really not a huge investment, uh, but compared to what, you know, we, we say every bite counts is our motto. When you're feeding a baby, you want to get as maximum nutrition into that little body because half of it ends up on their face and on the floor and you know they refuse to <laughs> so forth. So feeding babies tough. So you want to make sure that what gets in there is like super nutritious because they're growing rapidly. They're growing so fast. Their brain is developing so fast that, you know, those, the animal products and the healthy fats and, and quality vegetables are super important. And so we believe the people would pay, pay it. Uh, and they have, you know, we, uh, are uh, double the price, but we're selling about eight pouches per store per week in Whole Foods. And the mm. average is three. So people are buying our products, uh, you know, much faster than other products, even though they're double the price. And the same thing with online. We've had a huge growth, growth rate online. Uh, you know, we do want to get the price down. Like as we grow and we scale, we are working to lower the price because we want just it accessible to as many families as possible. And we mm -hmm. understand that that can be a little prohibitive for lower income families. So we do a lot of donating and sharing our products with low income communities as much as we can. Um, and we will lower the price, but 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 we've broken the ceiling. There are other baby foods now that are breaking over that $1.99 price point. And, you know, we're, we're, we're willing to charge what it takes to make sure that our company is sustainable as well as that they recognize the in, improved quality. And yeah, yeah. the ingredients are cost a lot more. The process, our process costs more than the fruit purees, you know, like we process in a way that preserves a lot more nutrition than the fruit purees mm. do. And that costs more, but it, you know, is important for us that, you know, everybody counts, get maximum nutrition in there and people will pay. Well, you got to take care of your provide, uh, suppliers, same, uh, unlike the, the industrial yeah. system, which typically turns farmers into slaves, basically. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So thanks for that. Another concern of mine is you mentioned uh, that typically babies uh, eat purees for about a year. 
doesn't that limit your market? It does. We have to continually reacquire our customer, you know, which is a challenge of the of of the whole baby food market. Uh, we are growing our product line with our baby. So our our baby Della is now 15 months old. So she yeah. is she's still eating purees and and the pouches. You know, depending on the kid, they can continue pouches well into toddlerhood if just as a snack or just because they like them. So excuse me, we have a lot of parents who continue to feed the pouches on later ages. But yeah. we're working on uh, finger foods, snacks, toddler foods that will, you know, continue to age up with the kid. And, you know, eventually we'd love to get into children's foods and, you know, really just follow creating those nutrient-dense foods that taste good and are convenient all the way up into, you know, teenage years and beyond. Right, right. And you could, uh, for example, uh, <clears throat> create some kind of... Uh, um, you know, lunchbox type of exactly. something that could be taken to school. God knows the the cafeteria food in schools is pretty horrible. So, so horrible. So school yeah. lunch alternative is yeah a huge priority. And then uh, the only problem is uh, some these kids probably would get their pouches stolen by the other kids, right? Once well, well, that would know. be best case scenario, right? If they're <laughs> if we can make this kind of healthy eating cool. You know, yeah. like that's the yeah. goal is like, this is the right. cool hip pouch. And part of our design, you know, was to be really classy and hip looking yeah. so yeah. that a kid didn't feel like they're, it's baby, you know, or if adults eating it, it doesn't look weird for an adult to eat it because actually a lot of adults eat our products. So, yeah. you know, we chose intentionally not to dumb it down. And I think, well, our, you know, baby Della, she is the poster child for our company and is, you know, born to be on, on camera. So I think she'll continue to represent our company and make eating our products cool. Right, right. I have to admit that as old as I am, I um, sometimes use one of your pouches as uh, you lunch. As lunch. Totally. So or that, snack does, or whatever. Yeah. Does that, does that make me a big baby? Nope, makes you wanting a convenient nutrient-dense option, which there are just so few of. It just shows you how right, right. little options there are for a shelf-stable, nutrient-dense food that tastes good, you know, like nope. that's, bars that's, and nuts, and that's about it. <laughs> that may be a crazy idea. What about something similar for adults? Just definitely, we have lots of ideas. Change, change the name to make it more adult-oriented so that people wouldn't feel weird uh, eating uh, baby food in front of their co-workers right during yep. lunch totally <laughs> okay uh moving on you wanted to talk about the office and team uh, what sure. did you want to tell us about you know when whole, we, we uh, you know a year and a half ago we were like all remote we had one part-time employee a bunch of contractors you know we were super lean and then when whole foods called we were like, oh my, if we're going to launch this fast, we got to get a team together. We've got to get into an office. We've got to like be together every day to like make this go. And so we hired a bunch of people. We opened an office because we were used to working from home. We decided to, to get a house. So instead of a traditional office space, we rented a, a house in South Austin uh, that we converted into a, an office that, you know, is just super homey and has a great vibe. Uh, mm. We brought our babies here. So for Serenity to come back to work, she needed to have uh, our baby nearby so that she could breastfeed and so that we could not be far away from her. We had another mm. staff member who had an infant a breastfeeding baby as well who was mm. working from home but wanted to come in the office. So we brought in a nanny and we created a little 
office childcare area that houses those two babies every day, as well as other babies periodically, different moms come over. We have different contractors that are moms that come and bring their babies periodically. And we have nine employees now in this awesome little house in South Austin. Uh, you know, we have the childcare. We do lots of really, we provide tons of healthy food and snacks, uh, including, you know, frozen meals. And we bring, we brought in a chef to cook uh, the whole 30 Thanksgiving menu for Thanksgiving last week. And we're just really passionate about a strong work-life balance. And, you know, it's just silly to, there are these health food entrepreneurs that made themselves sick or fat while running a health food company because they were so stressed out and they were so busy working all the time. We're like, that's just dumb to be yeah. having a health food mission and become unhealthy in the process. So we've had to, we hire these go-getters who are super passionate, dedicated workers. And then our, our job is to teach them to take breaks and to make sure to eat and to sleep well, and really wanting to make sure that the values of, of our lifestyle and our, that our company espouses to the world are practiced by our staff um, and you know we're really proud of the community that we've created here uh, we're growing we're hiring five more people in the next several months uh, so you know we're growing the family we're actually looking for a larger office space uh, that can maintain all of the the comfort and the child care and all those things and um, we expect to, to that that culture is something customers can feel you know they can feel right, it right. in our in our foods that <clears throat> walk the walk right i need to come and visit your office this come way on you over. Have, this way you don't have to ship the, the products totally. to me. i can just come Sounds and great come load up. up we can uh, talk about it later um which leads me to the question is della you lead food tester i would definitely call it as one of her many hats lead food tester poster child mascot CEO, whatever you want to call her. But yes, she uh, and then our other baby, Juniper, uh, are on site all the time for testing the new products, for taking photos for social media, you know, for just being cute reminders of why we're all here. They're a great mm -hmm. de-stressor. If someone's stressed out, they can go back, play with the babies for 15 minutes and right. come back feeling good. So, um, you know, so yeah, Della has been a, a, an amazing growth for me and Serenity as first-time parents learning that whole world uh, and also really helping us remember why we do what we do. Right, right. Uh, <clears throat> when I visited your website, I noticed on the blog a term I've never heard before, uh, crunchy dad. What is a crunchy dad and are you one? So the term is originally crunchy mom and, uh, you know, which basically crunchy is slang for like hippie uh, mm. or granola. Sometimes they call people granola because they were like hippie, like they're very, I, I almost think crunchy comes from like they don't shower or something. I actually don't know where it comes from, but <laughs> it basically means that they're uh, on the, on the very radical side of of natural health, food, environmentally friendly, progressive mindset. And so crunchy moms tend to like be into cloth diapers and attachment parenting and breastfeeding and baby led weaning and, uh, you know, um, health foods like ours, uh, you know, low sugar, that kind of thing. And right. so crunchy dad is basically same thing as a dad who is that. And I definitely identify as that. Like I, uh, you know, wanted to do everything um, so as new as natural as possible. Uh, you know, we plan to home birth, and 
diapers and breastfeeding as long as we could. And um, the blog you're referring to is actually called The Death of the Crunchy Dad, where I talk about how I had all these great aspirations to do all these things. And then baby comes and life happens and things change, you know, both because of our own, you know, schedules and the difficulty with some of them, as well as just baby preferences, you know, baby Mm. weaned herself from breast milk at nine months old. She didn't want to breastfeed anymore. And, you know, that's her right <laughs> to, so, to decide when she doesn't want to breastfeed anymore. And so you, know, you had, uh, you, you went from crutchy dad to uh, softy dad. You know, not quite, but like, you know, I'm definitely like had to let go of, of my attachment to doing it a certain way and uh, understand that the mission and the, the, the change we're making in the world is super important. And even just raising uh, a healthy, happy, um, empowered child is you know, radical enough. Great. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, <clears throat> going back to the nutrition side of thing, uh, which probably one, one of my last questions. Uh, some people in uh, traditional food producing and dietitian might say that it's not healthy to feed little kids any more protein and fat. What's your take on that? Yeah, so um, breast milk is nature's perfect baby food. You know, it's designed for babies uh, and breast milk, the macronutrients of breast milk are about half fat, half carbs with some protein and is an animal product, hopefully a free range animal product. <laughs> and so, you know, we mimicked our foods based off of breast milk. If you take that model animal products are the most important first foods. Their digestive system is the mo- is fully ready to process animal products. You know, it's been living exclusively, hopefully exclusively on breast milk uh, for the first six months or so. And then the next best foods are animal foods, um, meats, fats, uh, if they can handle cow's dairy, we only do goat dairy because Stella got a little face rash when we give her cow's dairy. Yeah. Um, but goat dairy is really good. You know, butter uh, and, um, you know, organ meats are ideal. They're packed with the most nutrition. So liver, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we make this liver broth that she really loves. Um, and uh, bone broths are, are really great for babies. So really animal products are the most ideal first foods and they could eat nothing else for the first year of their life than animal products and have super healthy development. They don't actually need vegetables. They especially don't fruit or anything sweet or any kind of processed foods. Um, you know, so we, they, the, the saying is food before one is just for fun. Uh, and you know, they're basically saying like that foods in that time period are mostly to get a baby's palate developed, to teach them what flavors they like, to teach them how to pick up and eat food so that they learn to experience food. Um, you know, so, uh, but you can do that with animal products. Eggs are great. We do a pasture raised soft, soft scrambled egg. Um, mm. and bacon grease pretty much every morning for, for her mm. breakfast, which she loves and she can eat really well. Um, mm. You know, and then you can cu- you either puree your own meats, use our meat purees, or you can pre-chew meats, uh, you know, or ground meats are great. So she loves shredded beef and chicken, you know, because they're mm. like pressure, we use the Instant Pot, you know, right. cook down those meats so they're soft and shredded. And she loves those, the, the flavor is really strong. That's, you know, in, embedded in there. And, uh, you know, 
So animal products are, are really key. Uh, the sugar is a real problem. You feed them sugar too early, you know, it taints their palate. They start to prefer yeah. sweet flavors rather than savory flavors, and they that takes them into childhood. It's also inflammatory, and you don't want an inflamed baby. You don't want, you know, no. all the stuff no. that people complain about babies, <clears throat> sugar exacerbates, no. you know, tantrums, right. fits, crying, uh, difficulty with, uh, with bowel movements, difficulty with skin issues, um, tr- trouble sleeping. Uh, you know, these are all things that a lot of parents complain about. Um, and if you take the sugar out and replace that with really good fats, a lot of them go away. Our baby yeah. sleeps through the night. She naps really easily. She's not a picky eater. She'll eat anything we give her. Uh, her, her poo is really easy. Like there, she doesn't have blowout. She doesn't have diarrhea. She doesn't have constipation. Her skin's super great. As long as we don't give her cow's dairy, her skin's mm-hmm. totally fine. You know, she only fusses when teething, you know, which is very painful, but otherwise she's super you know, doesn't cry much. She's, you know, easy, good temperament. So really I feel like we have a model baby and it's, it's, I think it's a lot of how we feed her. Right. She's not just a model baby. She's a baby model. Yeah, that's right. And I didn't <laughs> mention grains in there, but the, the pediatrician association for some reason still recommends fortified rice cereal as the first food as a recommended first food. And a lot of pediatricians are coming out against that and saying, Oh, this is wrong. Like fortified rice cereal is not a good first food. Like it's the fortification, the fake iron is uh, actually a problem. It can create constipation and other kinds of issues. Uh, Iron from meat and, and green veggies is far superior to fortified iron. So a lot of pediatricians are coming out saying, don't do the fortified cereal, do high quality, you know, meats, green veggies, you know, some starchy veggies, but avoid sugar and get plenty of fat. Right. And besides it's processed carbs as well. So it turns into sugar anyway. Uh, One thing you just mentioned, which um, uh, you say liver broth, are you going, moving into the broth kind of business as well? We are looking at exploring, um, um, adding broth into our flavors. You know, the bone broth is a, one of the most nutrient dense foods. It's an ancestral food. It's definitely something our ancestors would have made by boiling down the, the bones from animals. Cause you know, you work so hard to, to hunt an animal, you're going to get everything out of it. And so boiling those bones down, it really concentrates a lot of the vitamins and nutrients and you know, collagen and choline and all those kinds of things. So mm-hmm. uh, we are looking at how to get broth in there. We are also exploring liver and organ meats and how we could get those made in a palatable way for mm-hmm. babies and for, for kids and even adults. So because, so, you know, none of us eat enough organ meat, like we all need to eat more organ yeah. meat. So we yeah. could create a pouched product that was easy to eat quickly that didn't taste too bad, <laughs> would, yeah. you know, we think would be a great crossover product. Yeah, I, I grew up on really bad, bad liver um, because yeah. that's all of what my mother could afford. And uh, oh, no. so I am definitely have an uh, issue with eating liver. But <laughs> yeah. You'll have to convince me on that one. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, Mark. Well, Joe, you've given us a, a lot of information so far. Where can people find out more about and the products you do and where to get them and so forth. Mm-hmm. You can learn a lot about us on our website, myserenitykids.com. 
Uh, we have nutrition info on, you know, basic, basic, all kinds of info on nutrition. We have our farmers are all featured up there. So you can see about the regenerative family farms that we source our products from. Uh, you can read a story. You can see lots of pictures of our baby and see, you know, watch a little video about how we created this and me and Serenity's backstory. We have a blog of all kinds of really cool educational content, everything from infant nutrition to regenerative agriculture and all the different aspects of our products um, and have an email list you can join where we send out education stuff. And so you can order our products there as well. It's where the best deals are for ordering our products. We're also available on Amazon, uh, Thrive Market as well online. And then we're at Whole Foods nationwide um, as well as a lot of regional chains. So we have a store locator on our website as well if you want to check out where to, where to, to buy our products in stores. Super job. Now, coming back to Dudella, obviously she's a, a big part of why you do what you do. Yeah. Um, would I be right in thinking that she's been brought up almost exclusively on uh, the foods that you and Serenity have produced? Exclusively. Not all, almost exclusively. Exclusively. Serenity, you know, my wife and I were both sick kids. You know, we had very difficult childhoods, uh, you know, a large part of, and due to how we were fed. You know, yeah. that we were fed a lot of crap like most kids are. And our parents didn't know any better, right? They were doing the best they could. And I'm sure they probably tried to get us to eat better stuff. And, you know, it's hard. So, uh, you know, so we um, are very, we're very passionate about making, you know, our, our baby not have to deal with that. And in the end, it makes our own lives easier. You know, mm. we had, didn't realize how much easier our life would be when she's not having tantrums from sugar grasses, when she's able to sleep well, when her diapers are super, you know, consistent, right? Like all that stuff makes our lives easier. And, you know, we put more attention on food. We have to spend more money. Mm. We have to spend more time planning it and preparation. Uh, but in the end, the, you know, we are what we eat. So our whole life is, is you know, um, affected by what we put in our bodies. And we're so blessed to have the paleo movement to teach us about nutrient density and about important sourced, well-sourced animal products that has really transformed our health in adulthood. And we believe is, you know, really making our, setting our baby up for as much success as possible. Excellent. So, I mean, it, in many ways, it sounds like that, you know, what you put into a child very much determines what you get out of a child. If you put mm -hmm. good food in, you get good behavior, good go. health, all of, the, all of the stuff that we want from our children. If you put yep. bad stuff in, you get the tantrums, go. you get the sickness, you get the visits to the doctor, you get the yep. supplements, you get all of the expensive things mm -hmm. um, that add up. So really spending a bit more on food might be a better bet than spending exactly. stuff on doctors and pediatricians and blah, blah, oh. blah. Precisely. Yeah. Excellent. So the fact that you've got a higher price point shouldn't make a lot of difference to people if they realize that over the life of the child, that's going to pay off in a lot less visits to the doctor, for instance. Yeah. Would that be fair to say? Yep. That's what we hope that they see. And, and when surveyed parents say that the ingredients and whether or not they can trust the company are the two most important factors. So, mm. you know, that what's in it and can I trust this company, uh, you know, to, to be clean and to do what they say they're going to do uh, are the two most important factors. So we feel like we really need that for parents, that they can trust us, that our ingredients are on point and that price is 
I'm sure plays a role somewhere in there, but I think, you know, it plays a lot lower role than a lot of other food companies or retailers think it does. So we're excited to be challenging that and improving what's available and, mm. and charging what we need to charge to, to support that. Excellent. Yeah. And if, if you're willing to feed what you produce to your child, and yep. I'm guessing you eat it yourself from time to time. Oh, of course. You yeah. know, every parent knows they eat what their kid eats. And, and we feed her a lot of what we eat as well. So, you know, in addition to pouches, she gets yeah. fresh foods that we've cooked. And, you know, we love to order our, order really high-quality meats from Butcher Box, Thrive Market, Farmer's Markets. You know, we get local vegetables as much as possible, you know, organic wherever possible. So, um, you know, so it's, she's definitely, we're definitely a well-fed family and we spend disproportionate amount of time and money compared to other people. And we're super happy and it's really healthy and going to live forever. Yeah. Well, we all are. If we eat right. <laughs> That's right. Now, I'm going to pick up on something that Alan said earlier that he occasionally, or quite often, has one of the pouches <laughs> for, a, for a lunch. Now, that to me said, Gosh, if, and I know what Alan's like, if Alan is eating that, then it must taste good. Mm -hmm. Yes. Would that be right, Alan? Key factor. Yeah. You like, which one's your favorite, Alan? Which ones do you eat? Um, I like the, uh, the, let's say the one with bacon. That's my uh -huh. favorite. Yeah. Uncured bacon. Yeah. This yeah. That one. That one. I like the other ones too, but I've, I haven't tasted the new one, so I can't. The I veggies, can't. you'll really like the veggies. The, the roots is really, really good. It's sweet potato, carrot, uh, and beet with olive oil. And yeah. it's like super creamy, savory side dish, basically. Okay. It's just like, you know, kind of mashed sweet potato. Yeah. So can't they're really good. You know, Serenity is a, a, a foodie. You know, she yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> really into food and really wanting things to taste good. Yeah. So we spent a lot of time making sure the recipes were balanced well. We tested them on babies. So we make them in our kitchen. We pass them out to lots of babies. We get feedback. We make new versions. We pass those out. Like we spend a lot of time making sure the flavor is like super on point because, you know, babies won't just eat anything. Like yeah. they, have, they have a right to good tasting food. Yeah, another way I use your pouch is uh, if I'm tired or you know I don't feel like cooking, I put a a bunch of vegetable in a, in a blender. I put some uh, broth and a pouch. There you go. And I have a soup, and I crank it up, and I have a soup in less than five minutes. Delicious, perfect. Yeah. Yep. So there you go. Um, Alan's already given you ideas for adult patients. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And actually, this is this is the first first baby food I can say has been endorsed by Alan Bro. <laughs> yes. All right, we'll put it on the package. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, coming coming back to your your reason for doing everything, Della. Uh, how has her palate developed over the time that she's been eating these types of foods? Yeah, so you know they say palate starts in 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 utero that what mom eats while she's in there is basically a baby is experiencing it, even tasting it in certain, in a lot of cases. So, uh, so the palate really starts there. And then in the breast milk as well, like when mom's breastfeeding, what she eats, for sure the nutrients passed on. So the more nutrient dense uh, the diet, the more nutrition's in the breast milk. Uh, but also even like subtle, subtle flavors, you know, are mm. kind of come through. And so, uh, you know, so Della, uh, you know, loves 
um, she really, it really likes strong flavored foods. Her favorite foods are like olives. She really loves olives. She'll take a, she'll eat a whole wedge of a lime, like rind and all, like just like eating lime or lemon. You know, she's um, uh, right now, you know, like I said, really into the shredded meats. We ate a lot of pot roast. We, we bought a, a half a cow, right, when we got pregnant so that we could make sure to have a lot of good meat. So we ate a lot of pot roast throughout um, that period. And now pot roast, like her favorite, she can really loves the, the carrot and potato and gravy and the meat and the fat in there. Um, you know, so, um, you know, she really loves savory stuff. We've, she, we've fed her some other baby food products just to see, and sometimes she'll eat them, but there's times she won't, like she won't just eat anything. We've discovered that there, she will spit out stuff that we thought didn't taste good. We're like, let's see if baby likes it. She didn't like it either. So, you know, she, her palate tends to match ours cause it's, she's going to eat what we eat. Um, and, uh, and she, you know, really doesn't get much sweet. And when she does, it's like whole fruit, you know, we'll give her like a whole piece of fruit or a whole berry, you know, so that it's like, at least she's getting the fiber and so forth. And she likes the berries, you know, like, like anybody who tastes the sweet, like she's into it. Um, but she doesn't like it any more than she loves an olive. Excellent. I mean, basically her palate, her palate is probably far more developed than most children yeah. of the same age. Spicy foods. Like she likes things that are spicy. You know, like she's, she's 15 months, will totally eat things that are, that are hot, um, you know, as well as super savory. Mm, excellent. Now, in, in many ways, what you're doing has got quite a long history, isn't it? Because, I mean, when I was young, I was fed pureed food. You know, what, whatever mum and dad were eating, um, the, the kids got pureed up. You know, so there's a long tradition in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the pureed foods for babies, you know, and, and in an ancestral, from a paleo perspective, ancestral period, they would have, you know, mashed soft foods, they would have pre-chewed foods, but mostly they probably would have fed them a lot of broth. Then mm. besides breast milk, the broth would have been the thing that would have been the easiest to feed a baby. So, you know, they would have fed them a lot of bone broths and then meats that they chewed up, organ meats that they chewed up, veggies matter that they chewed up, um, and a lot of breast milk. Yeah, but so the point I'm making is the fact that, you know, it's what you're doing. I won't say it's, it's nothing new. It's got a long, 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 uh, and you could say almost auspicious history. Yeah. So you're, sure. you've just got a new slant on it, which is putting it in a convenient pouch. And we're not the first ones to do meat. In the 70s, there were lots of meat baby foods. Yeah. Uh, across the board, meat was a very common ingredient in baby foods. So it was the like low-fat vegetarian uh movement that really took meat out and took the fat out and replaced it with all these carbs mm. um, also the pouch movement the cheapest way to make a pouch is with a, a high acid hot fill process right. and you in the fruit fruit is acidic so they could cheaply make these baby food pouches as long as they had enough fruit in them that they were acidic enough that they would be shelf stable uh, by boiling. They basically boil it for a long time, pasteurize it, fill it into pouches, and that makes it shelf stable. So mm. those fruit pouches, you know, that's one of the reasons we see so little savory options on the aisle because the pouch is a lot harder to make savory without those acids. So we use a different process, a pressure canning process that does not require any acid or preservatives or, or boiling. We don't have to pasteurize it. So we fill the pouch with, you know, um, maximum nutrition, and then it's pressure cooked, which maintains more nutrition than any other cooking process they discovered. 
Um, you know, plus our vegetables are flash frozen right after being harvested, which they've also proven retains most of the nutrients. So some people think they're sacrificing nutrients for a, for a shelf stable product and for the fruit purees, they certainly are because that, because that boiling process plus fruit just doesn't have as much nutrition to begin with. Um, but for our products, you know, you, we haven't done the testing to prove it, but you could probably test vegetables that you cooked fresh from the grocery store and test our products and find similar, if not higher levels of vitamins um, in our products. Excellent. Excellent. Now you mentioned you got a, a few new ideas in the, uh, in the mix, which are the first ones we're going to be seeing? So I, I'm not allowed to say specifics, but we have three, I can say we have three new pouches coming out early next year that are going to have more complex flavors and really amazing ingredients and all, be even more palatable to an older child or an adult. Um, and then we also have a, a chewable product that's to, designed for the baby to pick up and eat that is also shelf-stable and, and nutrient-dense as well. Um, and, and that's the direction of the company is yeah. more different kinds of snacks. I'm, I'm only really asking to make sure Alan's got something to eat as he gets older, you know. Yeah, <laughs> all right. <laughs> once, once I've lost all my teeth. <laughs> right, you go revert back, you know. Right. We actually yeah. own the URL Serenity Silver, so. Get <laughs> <laughs> your product line. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that, that's all the questions I've got for today. It's been lovely chatting with you as usual. Alan, mm -hmm. back to you. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Sure. I don't think so. This is really awesome. You know, really great to to connect with um, you know people who share our mission and are out there, you know, educating about modern nutrition because there's so yeah. much, so many myths about about nutrition out there and so many things to cut through, especially when it comes to feeding babies. You know, so just love that that your listeners are the kind of people who. Uh, do do their own research and discover for themselves. And so, you know, just encourage people to continue to don't take my word for it, you know, research it, back it up, make your own decisions mm -hmm. about how you feed yourself and your baby. Uh, but, you know, nutrient density is the secret. Every bite counts. Right. Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming back on the show again. And uh, as we say in Texas, a votre santé, y'all. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Uh, Joe, Joe, let me ask you a question. You live in Texas, don't you? I do, Austin. Yeah. So, I mean, you obviously hear that all the time. <laughs> I hear y'all all the time. I don't. I didn't, <laughs> <laughs> <first part>. <laughs> <laughs> mm. yeah. I don't. 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 I don't